Good everyone. It's really, really good to see you guys. I'm really glad to be here this morning and really glad you guys decided to spend a little time here with us today. Um, we've, my name is Jeep Underwood and we're, we're in the middle of a series that we've been calling Can You Hear Me Now? And the foundational idea of this series is this idea that because God cares about us, He is communicating to us and He wants to help. And if we could just hear Him, if we could just connect to Him and follow Him, our lives would change. Is if we could just hear what it is that God is trying to help us with, our lives would change. And that's what the foundational idea of this series is. We know that what God really wants, why He gave us the Scriptures to begin with, is to change our lives. And I don't know about you, but I could use a changed life, you know, you know, it's just, I think that's something all of us at a very deep level, we see that there's a place we want to be and we'd like to be there. We really want to change life. So if God wants to change our life and we want to change life, then, then how are we not connecting sometimes? You know, what gets in the way of us really connecting with Him? How are we missing each other? And what we've been doing is we've been, we looked at this scene from Jesus' life where He's, He's been out, He's been sharing uh, a lot of truths with the, with the folks that are there, a very large crowd. And he's been, and he, he's looking and he's actually seeing people's response to what he's saying. And then when he gets all done, he wraps it up with this parable. And in this parable, he kind of, he kind of highlights some barriers that he's seen in people for where they, to where they can't really hear what it is he's saying. And so we've been looking, in this series, we've been looking through some of those barriers. And one of the barriers that Jesus mentioned in that parable is that there's weeds that grow up in our lives that just crowd out the Word of God and crowd God out of our lives. And he identified a few of those. And when these weeds crowd our lives, it puts us in a place where the God's Word really can't impact us very much. And, uh, and our lives don't really change. And so it's really important that we kind of weed these, these weeds out. So Jesus, he identified a few. And the first one, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, is how giving in to worry really crowds out the Word of God and crowds out God out of your life. Then last week we looked at how the love of money, the love of money can, what it does is it really crowds God and it crowds crowds His Word out of our lives. And today, and we, and we talked about like how to counteract that in those two talks. Today we're going to look at the, the, the last weed that He mentioned in this parable, and that is the desire for other things. The desire for other things. Now, you know, every single one of us, Every single person has a strong desire to be satisfied with life, you know, to be satisfied in something. We, we really strive for it. And the, the problem is, is that apart from God, whatever we pursue just doesn't satisfy us. And we might achieve the thing we pursued, but we find out it just doesn't satisfy us. So we begin, we begin to wander around looking for the thing that's going to satisfy us. We begin to just wander around and we try something else. We go from thing to thing to thing. And we come to the place where we realize that doesn't satisfy either and we just continue to wander. Now, when I think of wandering, there's a picture, there's, a, there's a, an experience that I've had that comes to my mind when I think of wandering. Uh, you may not know this, but my neck is more than a little red. Uh, I was born and raised in Northern California up in the high Sierras. And, uh, you know, if you ever wondered that, you know, I drove a pickup truck to high school. I had a gun rack. I had a 22 and a shotgun with me all the time. You're going... You know, Jeep, this completely changes our view of you. But so I, I got this idea when I was a young guy that I wanted to be a deer hunter. 
my dad had hunted deer. I'd never really been out with him, but my friends, some of my friends were really into deer hunting. I thought, I want to be a deer hunter. Now, be a deer, you don't just say, I want to be a deer hunter and just go out there and try to deer hunt. Uh, there's a lot to it. So, you know, I had to buy the camo vest because, you know, deers have great eyesight. I guess I just, you, you got to put camo vest on. Actually, what it is is so the other shoot hunters don't shoot you. Uh, you have to get a hunter's license. You have to get a uh, hunting license, and you have to go to dry, a hunter's safety course to do that. Uh, I had to, I got me a buck knife. I won't tell you what you use the buck knife for because there's weak constitutions here. But I got a buck knife. I still have this buck knife. Uh, I bought, uh, well, actually, I just, I, I uh, read up on how to hunt. I talked to my friends how to hunt. And I borrowed my dad's, what he called his deer rifle, which was a 35 Remington lever action rifle. And a great, great gun. And uh, and I started practicing shooting. I don't, I'd kind of grown up shooting, but I started practicing because I wanted to be able to hit the side of a barn. And so we decide we're going to go out, we're going to go hunting. So we're out there a couple of days, and we're just kind of camping with hunting thrown in. So we're camping, and then this one day, we all jump in the truck, and we drive down way out in the middle of nowhere up in the high Sierras, and we start jumping out of the truck in different places because you don't uh, really want to shoot the other guys. So you want to make sure you're spread out. And so I jump out when it's my turn, and I, like, go down through the bushes and through the trees. And I just travel for quite a ways looking for a place that a deer would like. And then realizing, what do deer like? So I'm going, I'm going down there. I find this place, and I get into a silent place, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm, and I'm just waiting. And no deer decided to come by where I was at. So then I heard this noise. I heard this noise and went, oh, man, something's moving out there. So I started moving a little further, found another place, and waited. Then I heard another noise. And then I heard what I heard, and I moved over somewhere else. And then I heard what I knew was a deer. You could hear, like, the thumping of hooves through the – I went, oh, my gosh, it's a deer. So I – I didn't run because, you know, you don't want to be cracking weed, uh, whoa, uh, leaves and, uh, sticks. And so I take off as fast as I can trying to be quiet and I get, and I, and so I just kind of pursue these different, these distractions, these, these noises and I get down and I'm just waiting. And actually I learned a lot about waiting that day, <laughs> but I never saw a deer, but that's another whole story. <laughs> um, so here I am, you know, I, I've spent all day and I've actually learned quite a few things. And I got to this point where I realized, you know, I need to, uh, it's time to head back. And I remember I was behind this log. A tree had fallen. I was behind this log. I had my rifle out, just kind of scanning. I went, you know, it's time to go back. And I stood up and I spun around and I realized I had no idea where I was at. And, you know, I've never, actually, I've never been lost like that. It was, I mean, I was out in the middle of nowhere and I didn't know where I was at. And I realized that, you know, all those distractions, all those little sounds, I just kept following those little sounds, and I wound up in this place where I had no idea where it was at. And that's a moment of shocking realization when you think, I've heard stories about this. You know, it's, uh, wow, what if I never get back? And I just remember just really kind of dealing with that and emotionally. And then I had, I started walking around a little bit trying to figure it out. I couldn't really figure it out. And then I had this, there was a moment where I knew I had to decide something. Now, one thing they teach you is that the the distress signal, if you're hunting, is three shots rapidly fired. At least they did in my hunter safety course, and, you know, that's uh, what I go by. So so I'm going out, I'm out there, and I'm thinking, well, do I fire three shots and so they can find me? And I'm like, I thought, no, I don't want to do that. They're gonna, Man, I'm going to get, they're going to come down on me. They're going to make fun of me. It'll become, you know, I'll be 50 years old, and they'll be telling this story. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> It's just one notch above snipe hunting. But, uh, 
And then I thought, no, I, I'm going to keep looking. I keep looking for a while. Finally, I just came to this place where I thought, you know what? I really, I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't find my way out. So I, I did. I, I jacked three shells in. Boom, boom, boom. And I just waited. Uh, felt familiar. <laughs> I'd been waiting all day. Um, I, and I waited for like 15, 20 minutes. Didn't really, didn't really hear anything, hear anybody coming. So I did it again. And then, right when I did it again, uh, I, I just had this thought that if I, if I just walked up grade, it was a long ways, but if I just walked up grade, I would probably come to a, the road, because that road winded around. And so I just started walking straight up. And eventually, after quite a while, I got to the road. Uh, and as I stepped over the road, the truck with the guys were driving by, because, you know, they were coming towards the sound. And they drove by, and I'm like, jump in the truck, and I'm like, I was never so glad to see my friends. And, uh, we didn't talk a lot about it. You know, it's kind of like you, you just kind of, all right. What's, what, what are we cooking for dinner tonight? You know, but you know, that, that moment was kind of a key moment for me. But you know, the, the problem is with our culture is it provides a lot of ground for wandering. Our culture provides a lot of ground for wandering in. And it's really, it's really designed to distract us from what really matters. It's, it, it, uh, there's these distractions that they just package, they market, they sell us, that they're going to really satisfy us if we go after these things. And, uh, you know, if we, if we give in to those distractions, what happens is we begin to wander because they really don't satisfy and we start wandering around. And there's two big categories. There's at least two big categories that, of the things that the culture tells us. And one is that we need to upgrade and that we need to have experiences. There's these upgrades and experiences that if we had those, We'd be really satisfied. Now, can you imagine? Just can you imagine a person uh, that you've been waiting to get the new iPhone, and you got the iPhone eight. It came out. You're like, it's here. And then a few weeks later, they, uh, they do the iPhone X. You're like, that's not right. And so it's better. And you realize, man, this is not. But now there's one better than what I have. And then you, for several months, you, you like save your money and you decide, okay, I'm going to get the iPhone X. And then you finally buy that for nine hundred bucks and. They come out with the iPhone XS Max. You're going, oh my gosh, this thing's bigger. It's like, it's my, I, if I had that, then I'd be satisfied. And then you, then you watch the news of like the iPhone Pro 11's coming out. And you're like, oh my gosh. It's just, there's something about the way things are marketed in our culture that if we have this technology, if we have this thing, and we're going to be really, really satisfied. But when we get it, it's just not the case. And sometimes, you know, those upgrades could be like just a newer model car. It could be, Maybe a new relationship. It could be just new looks, you know, in some way. It's like, you know, if I just look better, then nah, I'd be satisfied. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe it's, maybe it's sports achievement. That that, that's where I'd really get satisfied or just accomplishments in life. And we think these experiences will really satisfy us. And those things are not bad. Those aren't bad in and of themselves. They're only bad when they distract you from what really matters. And so, you know, when you pursue anything, one thing I've, one thing you, you kind of realize over time is that anything you pursue, you have to dedicate your life and you have to really discipline yourself to get it. And so what that does, when you dedicate yourself to get something you desire, what it does is it crowds other things out because there's just no time for it. And so it crowds out other things in your life and it also crowds out just God and his word. It could very well do that. And then when we achieve it, like I said before, it just really doesn't satisfy I want us to watch, there's a couple of clips that I want us to watch this morning from a, from a movie called Steve Jobs.
the, uh, the, the founder of Apple. You know, he's the one that, he's the brainchild behind that. And I just want to, we'll use this just as an, just as an illustration of just how things can get crowded out of your life. Now, one thing that, one thing about Steve Jobs is that he fathered a daughter, but his pursuit of really what he wanted to accomplish just kind of crowded everything out, crowded her out. And he just really neglected her. And I want to just watch this clip. I'll say a couple words, then we'll watch one more clip. Oz wants me to acknowledge the Apple II team. You must be able to see that she looks like you. I don't want to insult Waz. I just think it's backward looking at exactly the wrong moment. Well, you heard what I said. I heard what you said, Joanna. Just we're about to do this thing. 941. The planet's going to shift in its axis nine forever. Two most significant events of the 20th century. The Allies win the war, and this. This. So maybe right now isn't the very best time to scold me for not being a better father to a kid who's not my kid. The test said I... don't I, care what the test said. I don't care test. about 94.1% of the insane algorithm you used to get to 28% of American her new house. men. I'm giving her money. There's a small girl who believes you're her father. That's all. That's all the math there is. She believes it. What are you going to do about that? God sent his only son in a suicide mission. But we like him anyway, because he made trees. We're going to sell a million units in the first 90 days. 20,000 a month after that. So maybe you could give me a break, Miss Hoffman? Making Apple an iconic company, and he achieved that. And But what it did is it really crowded out his daughter from his life. And it, towards the towards the end... Uh, one of the people around him said, you know, Steve, uh, Steve, you need to reconcile with your daughter. And so this next scene in the movie, it's, it's uh, at the end of his attempt just to reconcile with her. And I'd like to just listen to what he says. Hey. Oh, you're going to start late. You know what Lisa stood for? What? The computer, the Lisa. You know what it stood for? I'm sorry I said that about the iMac. It's not what I really think. Behind my back at the office. You know what it stood for? Local integrated system architecture. I was five. Why couldn't you just lie? I did. Of course it was named after you. Local integrated system architecture doesn't even mean anything. Why'd you say it wasn't all those years? I honestly don't know. Why'd you say you aren't my father? I'm poorly made. He got to that point and he realized that what he had pursued had brought him to a place, a very unsatisfying place, with his family, with his daughter. And I think in that moment he realizes I'm poorly made. There's just something wrong with me. He, I think he just came, he was just at a point of just brokenness before her. And then he saw that what he had been pursuing just put him in a, put him in that place. <clears throat> now, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of a haunting thing, but that's why what we're talking about today really matters. It really matters what we pursue and what doesn't, does or doesn't get crowded out of our lives. And 
when we get to the end, when at that moment, that moment when, when we're, we're, we've been wandering around and we get to that point where we're at the end of an achievement and it's not satisfying, it really, we're really at a, a place like I was when I was deer hunting. Uh, we have a place of decision. We have to decide, are we going to fire three shots and ask for help? Or are we going to just stay in the hunt? just going from thing to thing and following and pursuing another desire because maybe that's the one that's going to really satisfy us. We have to, we have to make that decision as to how we're going to handle that. So how do you, how do you break free? How do you break free from that wandering search? The great news is that, is that God has a question for us and he has an offer for us that will help us break free of this. And that is, uh, it really captured when, uh, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah captures what God would say to us and what he said to them. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, it says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Now, to get wages, you have to spend your life to get wages. You have to spend your life, you have to spend your effort, your time, and so what God's really saying here is, is, why do you spend your life on what doesn't satisfy? And then he follows that up with an offer as you continue on in the next, the next part of this. God says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. You know, then you'll have really what satisfies you. It's interesting when he says, listen carefully in the original languages, it's the same word twice. He just says, listen, listen. And it's translated, listen carefully. But God just says, you know, why do you pursue what doesn't satisfy? Listen, listen to me. You just see God's heart there. He wants us to pay attention to him. And he says, incline your ear and come to me. Listen to me that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. Only God can satisfy us. And what he says, he says, come to me. That second phrase, he says, incline your ear and come to me. And listen to me that you may live. To really have the life that you want, to really have the life that God wants for you, come to me and listen. And he says, you know, I'll deal with you the way I dealt with David. And you do a study on David's life and just see how God was so interconnected with him and how God really moved through him and made him very successful. And just see how David wandered. David wandered, but God would find him where he's at and they would continue to be connected. And the difference that made in David's life. So to follow on from there, like, you know, I think I want to look at something that Paul said that helps us kind of connect, I think, to this, help us to see it a little bit better so that we can really act on this. Uh, Paul wrote the book of Romans, and he through the first, the first many pages of the book, he just really describes God's mercy and how God has been moving towards us and how he cares about us. And then I want to look at just Romans 12, 2. And the very first phrase, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And, you know, he, another translation says, do not the, let the world squeeze you into its mold. You know, in our culture, there's patterns and there's themes, and there's the way our culture deals with things that we're all immersed in. Ever since we were little kids, we're just immersed in it. Everyone around us are all immersed in it too. And there's ways that our culture things, thinks things ought to be done. And... You know, you get around all the people that are, most of the people that are around you in your life, and they all think 
the same kinds of things. Everyone thinks this way. Everyone lives this way. Everyone prioritizes their time this way. They pursue things the same way, like like what we said earlier about upgrades and experiences. But, you know, they might, hey, i got to always have a new car because i got to look cool. You know, I, you just got, you know, every two years you got to have a new car. Or it could be, could be that you just need, I need to pursue upgrades and experiences so that I can really be satisfied. That's a common thing. Or it may be, you know, I need, our lives need to revolve around our kids so our kids can have the upgrades and the experiences that are really going to make their lives go. That's another thing that's very, very prominent in our culture. And what Paul would say is don't get pressed into the mold of this culture, but pursue the things that really do satisfy and help our kids to also pursue those things. And, you know, God's idea about our life is much bigger than that, much bigger than what the culture has. So then let's move on. So the next part of Romans 12, 2, he said, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that word transformed, it, it's, the, it's, the Greek, it's a Greek word that we get the word metamorphosis from. And so what he's saying is, you know, when we listen to God and we order our lives around it, that... What happens is we enter into a process of, of transformation. We, uh, over time we begin to change. We actually begin to be a different kind of person, the kind of person that God really has created us to be. And Paul knows that it's not just changing your behavior. Now we've all tried to just do better, but he knows that we, he tells us to really focus on changing our thinking. And so that's, so that's what his, his advice is. You know what? Renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he knows that when we begin to listen to God, we begin to see things the way God sees them. We begin to see things the way God sees them. And we begin to see marriage the way God sees marriage. We may, we see money the way God sees money. We see opportunities the way God sees opportunities. We see our family, our job, our time, our gifts. We see everything the way God sees them more and more. We begin to think God's thoughts after him. And then going on with Romans 2, chapter uh, 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, when we see the way God sees and we understand his thoughts and we actually begin to think his thoughts after him, then we can really see what he wants done and we can see why. And we begin to be much more inclined to actually do what he says. And so it's just, this, is, this is just a real pivotal a uh, couple of verses that help us just see how can we really connect to really the life change that God really wants us to really hear from him. And so just to summarize, I, I put together just a list, you know, to, to break free of the culture and to see how God sees. I just, this is just a few things just pulled out of these, these verses, and that is just realize where you're at and ask for help. You know, just realize where you're at and ask for help. You know, where you've been wandering, what you've been pursuing, uh, the, you know, where you're really at and just ask for help. And then come to God, come to God and pursue your satisfaction in him. Come to him so you can really hear from him. And then the third thing is just pay attention, pay attention to what God says to really make that, uh, to really take it in and give it the weight that it deserves. So to do that, you really have to step out of the busyness of your life and your pursuits. You have to step out of that and you have to quiet your life. You have to quiet, spend some time to be quiet before God and just have a personal encounter with his word. That's, that's what you really need to be able to hear him. And then just make a habit of life out of this. You know, make this a, just a real habit of life. 
of where you're structure your life so that it's centered around coming to him and listening to him, coming to him and listening to him. And so as you, as we as we think about that, like the pit, I'm always I'm the kind of guy where I'm always thinking, well, that's great. But what does that look like? You know, what does it look like if you actually do this? And so I want to I'd like to just paint a picture and just kind of just paint through a scenario of what this could actually look like in, in someone's life. Let's say, let's say uh, that you recently started a job, and you're at this job, and you really want to do well at this job, and you really desire a good reputation. You desire that you'd have a really good reputation where people would think of you as someone who can get things done. Your bosses would actually help you progress in your career. And so you just have this strong desire to have a good reputation at work. And what happens, though, is you begin you begin to kind of make that the focus of everything you're doing and and you begin to, and what happens is you begin to give in to some temptations. Like, you begin to try to make sure that all the good things you do get noticed. You know, it's like, well, you know, uh, you're talking to your leadership and you say something like, and, uh, you know, well, then I did this and I did this. You know, your, your eye gets into a lot of the conversations. You begin, maybe even start making a few disparaging remarks about other people and their abilities once in a while and maybe give in to a temptation of, angling for public compliments from someone in leadership or and then one day one day you're at a place where the leadership is coming to you and they're saying hey you know what you did a great job you got this done and you know it was your team you know it was a bunch of people working together you worked hard too and you take credit for it and you don't give any credit to the team and as you walk, as you as you leave the, as you leave the office that day you just you're driving you just think you know that I don't want to be that kind of person. Why did I do that? And you, it begins to just kind of just just weigh on you. Like, I don't want to be the kind of person that does that. That's just wrong. And you're, you're just thinking through that. And that night, that night, uh, you go to your community group. There's a group of folks that you've been connected with that they care about you. You care about them. You guys get into the scriptures together and you're kind of figuring out life together and there's a point in that time where they're sharing and you realize, you know what, am I going to fire three shots or am I just going to stay in the dark? And you go, you know what, hey, guys, hey, I did something today and I really don't know what to do about it. I I took credit for some things at work and I should have given credit to the team. And, uh, you know, I just feel awful about it. And then someone in the group, they just, they just say something like, you know, you know, uh, I don't really understand everything that you're dealing with. But you know what? One thing that really helped me with my attitude at work is there's several things in Proverbs chapter 3 that really helped me. You ought to take a look at Proverbs chapter 3. And so, man, you go home, and the next morning, you know, you set your alarm so you can have just a little bit of time because you just you want to kind of get a handle on this. And you read Proverbs chapter 3. You spend some time with God. You get your coffee. You're like, you're in there. You're going to spend about 30 minutes and. You, you, you ask God, you know, God, could you just show me what in the world's wrong with me? And you start reading Proverbs chapter 3, and you get about three verses down, and God puts his finger right on this verse. And this is Proverbs 3, 33 through 4. He says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. And that God just puts his finger on that verse, and you go, man, that's, you look at verse four and you go, that's what I want. That, that's, that's actually what I want is I want to have a good reputation. And then 
as you're thinking it through, you think, well, he says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. And you're like, well, it's like two things. And then this picture in your mind comes of like a, of, of a typical team leading, meeting you've led. And you start thinking, you know what, actually, I'm really good at truth. I'm really good at truth. In fact, you know, uh, I can, I can actually burn doors down with truth. Like, you know, I, I go in, the reason I get things done is, is I can tell people where they're at, what we need to get done. And, you know, sometimes they go around there and they, they feel terrible, but hey, we get the job done. And, and then you realize, you know what? God, kindness. What you're telling me this morning is that kindness is what's missing. God, and you, and you begin to kind of get this picture in your mind of what it could be like if you were kind. And you, uh, what you do is you, you spend, you spend a little time just kind of thinking through that and you realize that you need to be more kind. And then you look at the next verse. You look at the little piece and it says, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And you realize, you know, this is not just a one or two time kind of thing. This is actually a lifestyle. And if I were to do this, if I were to make this the way I live, then it would etch into my heart and I'd actually become the kind of person that was very kind and truthful and get things done. And you, you begin to see kind of a picture. And then then you start thinking of, man, this is it. Actually, I have a problem with this across the board. My family, this could, my fam- I'm having trouble with my family right now because of this. And, and you begin to think uh, through your marriage, you think through different parts of your life, and you go, man, God, I had never saw this before. And so you come up, you get out of that time and you make a decision, you know, God, I'm going to work on being kind. And so you go to work and you begin to act on this. You, you try to catch people doing stuff right and making sure you're, you're doing, uh, letting them know you appreciate things. You look for ways to just kindly help people. Like you give them something to do. You can see it landed really hard on them. Say, hey, well, how can I help you with that? What, what are you struggling? And you begin to actually help people along the way. And over time, what begins to happen as you do this for over time, you begin to have a lot more influence on the people at work. You begin to have a lot more influence on the people at work. And then you notice that when you suggest something, people start leaning in. And they actually start doing some of the things you suggest. They start giving weight to what it is you say to do. And they begin to really respect you. And then upper management begins to notice your influence. Upper management begins to notice, hey, hey, people are following this person. And actually, they're getting things done. And people actually are motivated when they're on their teams. And and they begin to look for and consider for maybe a place of more responsibility for you. And then one day... They come to you and they say, hey, we'd really like you to like come in and step in here. And, and you realize, you realize that you have just gotten the reputation that you wanted. You just got the reputation that you wanted. But it wasn't based on all the things that you achieved, although that was involved. It was really based on who you are. It really was based on who you are. And you began to understand that really, you know, that's, that's the kind of life that God has for us. In fact, if we step out of that story right now, that really is the kind of life that God wants for us. He wants He wants to interact with us with what we're really dealing with, connect with his word, take it in, act on it, and then change over time to really become the kind of person he created us to be. And it makes all the difference. And God, he really wants us to have a changed life. So how do we remember this truth? You know, as we go as we go forward in your tempted and I'm tempted to wander and go after the things. How do we remember this truth? And I would, I would say that you, that if you, there's a question that you could ask in that moment that would be a really helpful question to ask. 
And that, it's a question that Peter asked first in John, uh, chapter six. Jesus had, he'd just been speaking to some guys and they didn't like at all what he was saying, this whole crowd, and they all left him. And he turns around and he looks at Peter and he says, he looks at the, the 12 disciples and he says, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You're the one that has the words of life. Where, where would we go? And I, that question, that question, you know, when you're in the middle of being tempted to, des, to go after a desire and to wander off, is if you would ask yourself that question, it would just, it would just help you remember, you know what, there really is no other game in town. I've tried them. I've tried many things. It just doesn't satisfy like God does. And so just remember to just ask that question. Where would I go? The question is like, where would I go other than you? And so today, uh, as we, as we step out of here today, some next steps, like what could, what are some next steps for some of us we could possibly take as we, as we walk away from here today? You know, one next step that someone might, might be helpful for someone is just to assess if you've been wandering and where you're at. Just to assess if you've been wandering and where you're at. You know, another, another next step that, that, that might be really helpful is, is just taking ownership of where you're at and asking for help. Just, just taking ownership of where you're at and asking someone for help. Uh, and, sp- and then pursue your satisfaction in God. Maybe for you a next step is, is just to pursue or to continue to pursue your satisfaction in God, just coming to Him and listening to Him. And then just putting into practice the things that He has to say. So this morning, so this morning I really encourage each one of us to not pursue things that don't satisfy. So I'd like to ask the band uh, to go ahead and come back up. Uh, we have the connection card that Jeremy was discussing earlier. If you, haven't, if you haven't finished filling that out, go ahead and finish filling that out. Throw it in the offering when it comes by. And I'd like to just pray for us, and we'll continue with, uh, with the service. Father, God, I, it's so easy to wander. It's so easy to go after other things. And, God, I pray that today that you would just make uh, make yourself very, very real to us in our hearts. And I pray you'd really draw us to you and motivate us to pursue you and that our lives could really change. In Jesus' name, amen.